Welcome. You're listening to the Mac Observer's Background Mode. This is your host, John Marchalero, and this week my guest is the famous Charlotte Henry, TMO contributing editor, author, and glorious podcaster. Welcome, Charlotte. Hello, thank you. Direct from London. Yes. It's amazing how good this connection is to the UK. It's amazing what the internet can do, John. Yes, it is amazing. So thank you for joining me. I wanted to, in this special edition of Background Mode, ask you about your reactions to the uh, Apple September Mm. 10th by innovation only iPhone event. Yeah, well, I think the interesting thing is it wasn't just iPhone. It took a long time for us to get to the iPhone, actually, didn't it? It did. Because we had... Apple Arcade announcements, we had Apple TV Plus announcements, we saw some watches, we saw some iPads, and then we saw the iPhone 11. Um, So to me, I, as you know, tend to be somewhat cynical about these events and like, eh, there's nothing new, Uh, what's there, Uh, who cares? And I didn't feel like that about this event. Well, sometimes sometimes Apple's event has things that are shrouded and they only find out later how glorious things are. Well, that might be one way of putting it. But to me, this felt a substantive event. It felt like there was serious upgrades to products, including the iPhone. We had substantive information on some services. uh, And I thought I came away, you know, pretty... I, I, I thought it was a like I say, a strong, substantive event that had, as the title indicated, quite a lot of innovation in it. What did you think of the um, starting off with uh, the arcade, and what do you think of those games? Mm. Uh, I thought that was quite telling. Apple keeps wanting to remind us that they're doing services. We are the services company now. We have services by the services. I thought that was very deliberate. One... I think they know that if people, if they did the iPhone at the beginning, people are going to probably drop off. <laughs> right? Well, yeah, my reaction uh, to the people arcade are there also for the was, iPhone. let's get this out of the way. So right. Move on to I the mean, important I'm stuff. quite interested in Apple Arcade. It may be something I want to get involved in. But um, Were you thrilled to see frogs jumping through toilet paper? Always. <laughs> I tell you what, I was genuinely thrilled by. Oh, well, to each his own. No, I was genuinely thrilled by what looked like some actual genuine, high-quality, high-graphical-quality games. I think if you're a gamer, there's probably some quite substantive stuff there. I don't expect it to compete with the PlayStation or the Xbox, but it's, you know... There's serious quality gaming there, and Apple made a point of bringing out people from gaming studios, so I, I enjoyed that. Um, and obviously, I enjoyed getting some actual detailed information about Apple TV Plus as well. I think you and I were both pretty taken aback and impressed by the very aggressive price point Apple put to it. Indeed. Indeed. You know, four ninety nine is... You know, it's undercut Disney. It had to. Because they had to. They had to. It's, uh, you know, giving it away free with a new product is interesting because they're just like, 
we need you. Let's just get eyeballs, get people in. I, I've heard two different interpretations of that free scenario. Okay. One interpretation is is that Disney has got so much content and they're so well established that Apple will have a hard time competing. The other take I heard was that since it's going to be free, Apple TV Plus, on every new device, and Apple has sold 2 billion devices so far, iOS devices, and they sell them by the hundreds of millions a year, it won't be long before Apple TV Plus has many more subscribers than Netflix and will just overwhelm Netflix with the subscriber volume. What do you think? So my, I always thought for a long time that Apple was going to not be able to compete with Disney. I thought it was going to be very hard to compete with superheroes, uh, Star Wars and Mickey Mouse. But I think I, I'm really interested to see the morning show. I'm really looking forward to watching that. Uh, I says, hope there'll be other good content there uh and yeah I, I did a story actually in the aftermath of the event that was talking about uh apple competing with netflix and there will be a point uh some analysts said where apple tv plus will have more subscribers in inverted commas than netflix but that is because the number of devices will be so great because there's so many iPhones, iPads, all this kind of thing sold that Apple will probably for a year or so get ahead of Netflix. The The critical point for Apple TV Plus will be when people have to pay for it. I think it was smart for Apple to give it away on your devices because I that definitely means do. people don't have any excuse whatsoever for not watching it. Sooner or later, you're going to need a new iPhone or a new iPad or a new Mac. And it's going to come free with it, and it's just going to. And you're going to say, "I don't have to worry about subscription fatigue. I've got a new iPad. Why don't I just tune in and take a look? And I might find some shows I really like, and I can keep on watching them for free." So it will be it's really, really interesting. Yeah, it'll be also interesting. A thought has just occurred to me actually: how long Apple keeps offering it for free? Is it just going to be this year, or when we see the next wave of devices? Will people still be getting, you know, two, three years worth of devices? Are people still going to be getting it for free? It depends on the legal factors. Uh, recently, I had Michael Gartenberg on the show, and he talked mm. about how there might be some anti-competitive issues with doing it forever, whereas Apple might be off the hook if they do it for only one year and say this is a limited time offer. So our competitors don't have to worry about competing against us in perpetuity. Something like that might be going on. Yes, I, that is a really, going to be really telling, isn't it? Because um, I, I, when you pointed out uh, the, the, the kind of legal antitrust, anti-competitive issues, that I hadn't, it hadn't occurred to me that that could be an issue. But of course, you're right. If you're Netflix or someone, you know, HB, even HBO or whatever, you might go, well, this is not okay. In the same way people have taken on Apple over some of the things in the app store. Yeah, and you never know what happened might might happen behind the scenes of HBO or Amazon mm. or Netflix complains about the take that Apple's taking and, and feels being mm. unfairly competed with. Apple might say, well, look, you know, we can cut a deal with you for the first year 
says, while we're giving away this free program, guess what? You only have to pay 8% instead of 15%. So stuff like that can go on behind the scenes. And so we don't see that happening. And we just often draw the wrong conclusions about things on the surface. Yeah. So what do you think? But what you really want to talk is the new iPhone, isn't it? Well, I wanted to ask you about this iPad. What do do you think of a $329 iPad that has no... That starts at 32 gigabytes of RAM. That has no white color P3 gamut. Has no true tone. Um, is kind of a ho hum little device. Do you think? What do you think it's marketed for? And do you think it's a good product? And you think, I think, do you think it's going to sell? I think Apple should take my money. I want one. You do. Well, not, a, not an I, iPad Pro. Uh, would I, I would probably love an iPad Pro. But I'm always one, one I, like most people, I don't have an infinite budget. Two, I think there is, there is a certain part. Well, I'm not that interested in the Apple Pencil, I have to say. I'm not interested in any device that requires a stylus. Um, and so for me, the iPad is a device that I can, yeah, take into bed and read in bed, but also take on the tube here in London, go to work, things with it and and one that's not so so expensive does an ipad mini 5 uh help you in terms of mobility and the bit um, i would probably still rather the slightly bigger one so you can watch stuff on it and whatever so i actually think that's quite a compelling product and quite a compelling offer and is actually one i'm quite interested in interesting perspective i'm going to buy an ipad mini 5 because I just, oh, I just okay. want the latest why, technology. Why have you gone mini? I want the latest. I have an iPad Mini 3 that needs replaced. It won't run iOS 13. And I okay. wrote an article last week about how I'm going to buy an iPad Mini 5 for the nightstand. Because it's yeah. easy to handle. It's lightweight in the hand. It weighs like 300 grams. Uh, it has all the latest technology. It has an A12 uh, bionic chip. It has the wide color. It doesn't have HDR for video like Dolby Vision, like some of the iPhones do, going back to the iPhone 8. But I just can't see spending money on older technology to get a $70 price break. Yeah, I I totally get that. But... So I'm just looking, actually, what the the sale is on offer in the UK. So you can get a 128-gigabyte... Uh, iPad for for four hundred and fifty pounds. Mm-hmm. That's about what five hundred dollars. Yeah, it's at the moment. There's not much difference pounds to dollars, uh, but that's a different <laughs> podcast. <laughs> that's a different show. <laughs> that's a very different show. But that again, under five hundred pounds for one hundred twenty-eight gigabyte Wi-Fi iPad. Yeah, but then you got to buy a case, and then you got to buy Apple. Yeah, well, okay, Plus. so it's going to cost you five hundred pounds on it. That's a fair point. That's you know that's pretty. It's uh, a pretty compelling offer. Yeah. Th- I mean, I'm interested, and I know you're going to have an opinion on this. Well, that A10 in mm, there is only going to last for so many years before it will yeah. run iOS 15 or 16 or something like that. But also, what's the point of 32 gigabytes? Yeah. Well, how does Apple get off? Offering an iPad with 32 gigabytes of RAM anymore. No, you Why see, I wouldn't buy a phone with 32 gigabytes, so I certainly wouldn't buy an iPad with I that. I wouldn't buy a toaster with 32 gigabytes. <laughs> right. 
That's the most John comment ever. <sighs> All right. Yes, well, you you're want right. to move on to the iPhones, but uh, it's time for you're, a short, you're right. It's time for a short commercial break. We have to cool. go away for a second, and uh, Kelly's going to talk to us. So, folks, we'll be back in sixty seconds. Stay with us. Hello there, all you fabulous background mode listeners. I'm Kelly Gamont with the Mac Observer, and I just want to say a few words about how you can support all the things we do. If you're thinking about buying something from Apple, Amazon, or Mac Mall, just go to the Mac Observer's homepage where we have a section called Support TMO. Or you can just enter macobserver.com forward slash Apple Store, all one word, and that will take you to our special page for Apple and our other affiliates. If you make a purchase from one of our partners this way, the Mac Observer receives a small compensation for sending business their direction. Pretty cool, right? And you don't pay a penny more. This small fee from our affiliates helps us continue to bring you TMO's daily news, reviews, tips, how-tos, and podcasts like this one. So the next time you're thinking about an online purchase, come to TMO's homepage and support the Mac Observer. Thanks. Back to you, John. We're back. I'm chatting with TMO's contributing editor and podcaster, Charlotte Henry, direct from London. Huh. Hello. All right. So let's talk about the iPhones. And uh, you have not been a heavy iPhone user. I wanted to ask no. you what you think of the current iPhones and the evolution of the phones and and how that may be influencing your purchase decision here in the near term. Yeah. So I have, and I said it on TMO last week, uh, TDO last week. Uh, I've gone for a XR, the iPhone XR. Um, the main reason was simply because I I had got a very compelling offer from my provider, um, which was you know for an unlimited data plan. Um, it seems it's a very solid device. Apple has still got it within its lineup. It's is it really unlimited? A, because here in the United States they say unlimited, but then they throttle you at a certain point. Is it really unlimited in the UK? I think so, and I can't imagine there'll ever be a point where I run out of data. Um, so I'm pretty happy about that. Um, but I, so I will be going into details either in podcasts or episodes, some of the issues with supply on this side of the Atlantic. But no, the reason, I, so I went 10R because basically I think it's got pretty compelling technology. It was a very compelling price point for me. And, uh, you know, I'm pretty excited about it. I wouldn't have got an iPhone 8 at this point. I think that's a little bit too old technology. But a 64 gigabyte uh, 10R, I'm pretty happy with. Uh, obviously, you've got the iPhone 11 and Pro. And uh, I posted today up on, on the Mac Observer some videos Apple shared of the kind of cinematic qualities and the camera qualities of the 11 Pro. And Does that tantalize you? Does, did that give you pause thinking that maybe the camera in the 10R was not quite as good as it should be? I think it's good, but it's clearly not as good as this 11 Pro camera, which is a serious piece of kit. Yes. Like, like this is, you know, this is a serious filmmaking piece of, like, you could produce very high quality video footage never mind stills on it but it's still pretty expensive i can understand why some people would want it uh, and i'm sure there are deals and ways to finance it that are compelling but well apple gives you a pretty good trade-in you know your out-of-pocket cost over the year is not a thousand and ninety-nine pounds it's whatever you spend minus the trade yeah and i think apple are getting pretty good at doing that aren't they yeah they are yeah 
I was trying to remember if Apple had a trade-in program in the past, and then they resurrected it. I'm not sure. So I know, and I spoke about this when I got earlier in the hour, I got my Mac Mini. I got a really good trade-in. Oh, really? What did you trade in? I trade in a MacBook Pro that was eight years old, probably. It was a mid-2010. They gave, took off £150 from the Mac Mini, something like that. It was... It was really impressive. I was really, really pleased about it. Um, and it made a very attractively priced device anyway, really, really good. So I wonder Apple's, how much of that is I, the part, is the material value, the uh, heavy, the exotic metals and the semiconductors and, the, and what gold is in there and all the stuff. Yeah. And I wonder how much of it is incentive to the customer. Yeah, I think part of it is, of course, that a MacBook Pro, whenever you buy it, is still a pretty high-end premium device, and it's always going to have some value. But, no, to, to get the amount I did after eight years, I was very, very impressed by. Yeah, and Apple is obviously in the past, uh, an eight-year-old MacBook was virtually worth nothing because it just had depreciated into oblivion. But right, Apple, this is a, a good incentive to get an old computer out of your hands and recycle it properly and salvage the materials yeah i think that's another very good point because we know that apple under tim cook has really started taking recycling and uh environmental issues much more seriously obviously he hired lisa jackson to lead at the company on that and i think you're very right to point out this better more compelling uh buyback program trade-in program is part of that i'm sure also that's a security right. issue too because i think a lot of people are not fully up to speed on how to recycle and uh say an ipad or um, a macbook air not a, not an ipad and a macbook air or a macbook pro uh, that has an ssd in it because you have to handle that differently you just can't erase it and expect the data to be gone you have to turn on file vault and encrypt an ssd to make it mm-hmm. unreadable and if you just simply do an erase Oh, there's leftover data in there because of where balancing and other techniques SSD uses, and it could be salvageable if it fell into the wrong hands. And so it's good that you uh, take an old MacBook Pro with an SSD in it and have it crunched and uh, turned into sawdust, so to speak. (laughs) Now I feel sad and emotional about the demise of my much-loved MacBook Pro, but you're right that it's pretty reassuring to hand it over to the professionals if you like i didn't have to worry about uh, you know dealing with it didn't sit around collecting dust it was dealt with and i think that's good and i think it's good they're putting that into iphone now you knowing you have gone iphone 11 pro max haven't you i have a 10 s max yeah and but I'm, no you're gonna I, go 11 i'm gonna go 11 pro max in a month or two yeah when supply chain allows I'm going to walk into my local Apple store and I'm going to turn in my 10S Max and get a good, good trade-in discount and walk out of the store with an 11 Pro Max and maybe out of pocket $500. Very good. Yeah. No, that's exciting. It'll be... uh, And look, I was tempted by the 11. I really was. I'm not sure. So the price point of the 11 Pro... I just wasn't comfortable with. 
and then there didn't seem such enough for me. There's oh, obviously I gotta tell Brian some, you need a pay raise. Well, look, we can. We can <laughs> you know, you don't have. We can negotiate that off air. Uh, you, don't, but, you said before you don't have an infinite personal budget. I think that break uh, TMO's payroll engine. <laughs> 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 no, but look, I think that's. I think it's a wider problem that Apple is having that people are going. Do I want to spend this much on a phone? Yeah, I think Deidre O'Brien uh, had, had a role to play in that and saying, look, we, we're not going to do well if we, just, if we just take a phone that's sold for ten ninety nine and and advance the technology and try to sell it for less. That would look bad. It would harm our brand and it would harm our average selling price and the stockholders mm. wouldn't be happy. So how can we get people to buy a, a $1,099 phone, give them a really nice trade and on the spot, instant on-store credit? That's why I was trying to remember if they'd ever done that in the past. And then, because I remember I going into do. the store recently when I bought my iPhone uh, 10, and they wouldn't—they wouldn't give me instant credit trade in the, the, for uh, against a new phone. They would give me store credit, which I had. I really I could, don't remember them doing it on yeah. iPhones. Like I say, I know yeah. they've done it on other devices. I really don't remember it on a phone. Yeah, yeah. But I think. You, think- Look, uh, you and I've discussed this. I think on other podcasts as well. Apple need, and I, I shared a link to a Wired story talking about this as well today on the Mac Observer. Apple needs people to sign up to subscription services. The way they do that is to get more devices. There is a balancing act now. Before, all Apple wanted was to sell as many iPhones as possible and to make as much money from iPhones as possible. That's a good point. Now they need to they need to get devices into people's hands and just you might not make quite as much on the iphone but you might make more long term somebody uh, probably wrote I a re- computer simulation and, and entered all the variables almost and figured, out, figured out that if almost you give certainly. people an incentive to trade in their old phones and buy a new phone or if you give away apple yeah. tv plus or whatever they do that there's that balance that you're talking about would optimize the services and the hardware sales and like you said, there's, a, there's an optimum middle, middle ground there. I, I think there is. I also think this is something I think must appeal to you as well. This Apple Care Plus, which seems to be growing and developing quite nicely. And I think that's quite interesting as well. Yeah, Apple Care Plus mathematically um, is, is dubious. Um, I, think most, <laughs> I think Apple would would tell you I worked for Apple and, and and they would agree that Apple Care Plus is a money making proposition. It's like going to the casino. You know, you think you have a good chance mm-hmm. of winning but this but the house always takes its cut and the house mm-hmm. always wins. And Apple Care Plus, the house Apple always wins. So mathematically it's not a good deal individually, but boy I can I can tell you how many times it saved me. And when you need it it's really good. And sometimes Losing a little bit of money and bleeding uh, to Apple's profits is uh, distasteful to some people. They want to keep every dime they can keep away from Apple. But on the other hand, for a lot of people, it's just peace of mind. Just I knowing so. that it's there. Yeah. All right. I, so I, I th- we're starting to run out of time I, I a little so. bit. Let's talk about the Apple Watch. Um, yes. The Apple Watch Series 5 adds a compass and adds an always-on display. And I've read a couple articles that lament that this was not enough of a hardware jump to justify Mm. a Series 5. What do you think? 
That's probably true, but I think it's still quite a nice device. Um, I like what leapt out to me is now how much of a lifestyle and health device this is. And that's, again, a very Tim Cook thing. It's also an um, Apple COO. Yeah. yeah, Tim Cook's Tim Cook. Yeah, right. Um, anyway. Jeff Williams. Jeff Williams, right. It's also a Jeff Williams thing. It's nice mm-hmm. when you have one of the senior, most senior executives at Apple in charge of a product. I'm sure there's a formal product manager who does day-to-day operations and, and product decisions, but having Jeff Williams behind it and on a board with health and, and uh, health management and fitness really has breathed life into that product. I think so. I think so. Ti- they've now got titan- titanium and ceramic, not titanic, um, as I was saying. I think the kind of variations of straps and things are really nice. You know, there's even an Hermes one, and there's obviously Nike ones as well. So it can be sport or fashion. I think they've done really well, and this one really solidifies that of making it look really nice. It's a beautiful device now. It's not like a lot of smartwatches I see, let's be honest, are pretty ugly. You can make a lot of criticisms of the Apple Watch, perhaps, but ugliness is not one of them. (laughs) What's with this white ceramic? Um, I thought Mm. Apple was trying to get away from... Well, in glitzy cases like gold and, and get away from fashion and more towards the health and fitness. What's the point of having well, a I think, white ceramic watch? I don't get it. Because I think I, I think they're trying to balance both. I think they want they know lots of people will buy it for health reasons, but also they need to make it look fashionable. Uh it's not a Nike smart watch. It's it's a Apple watch. And Apple makes pretty things as well as useful things. Um, I thought, and I shared it on on the Mac Observer, I thought the video that they showed for the Apple Watch was brilliant. Uh, you know, this watch, what was it? This watch tells time. And I like also, that ad too, yeah. I thought it was really great. And I think that summed up a lot of what's going on with the product. Yes, it does tell time. And yes, it. but it does, they're really making it a properly useful device. It's not one that people oh it's irritating me because people are i've got whatsapp messages and emails on my wrist oh you look a bit weird talking into your wrist like they're making it a really compelling part of people's kind of life and i, I think the the series five did a really good job of that i was at a neighborhood party over the weekend and one of the people attending the party saw the apple watch on my hand and wanted an introduction and i just walked him through the dock and i showed him the ecg I showed him the heart rate monitor. I showed him the timer. I showed him Apple Pay. I showed him my walkout yeah. for my daily walks. I showed him my activity monitor. I showed him how I could read messages. I saw how I could get text messages, confirmation of my, of my purchases on my credit card, how I could bring up the weather, how I could look at the calendar and see my coming events, how I could answer phone calls on my watch when my phone was in the other room. Yeah, and that, I, I think, has really changed the game as well. Yeah, and he was just amazed. I think he was ready to go to the Apple store right after he left the party. Right, I think people kind of think it's maybe does a bit of pedometer stuff, uh, and you get some alerts on it, and it's a bit annoying and runs out of battery. But actually, I think, particularly with the Series 5, they've made it a device that's going to appeal to a lot of different people. Like that, I'm looking at the... Uh, um, there's straps. They're beautiful. They're like 
Yeah, now compact. you get to mix and match. You get to pick any case. You get to pick any strap. Yeah, that, I think... That's another Deidre O'Brien thing. I think she said, why can't we do that? Yeah, I I, I think there's a, it's got a lot going for it. I wanted, to ask, I wanted to close with asking you a few questions about life in the U.K., is the U- UK is a, a country that's very close in culture and language and uh, origins to the United States more so than any other country. Would you characterize the enthusiasm and the, and the uh, people's approach to Apple Computer as similar to the United States? Now that you've been working for the Mac Observer, you're exposed to you know the American hmm. viewpoint towards Apple. Would you? Are there any interesting differences? In the UK, regarding their attitude towards Tim Cook or towards Apple's policy or prices? So I think Brits tend to be quite cynical generally about this kind of thing. Like, we don't tend, I think we're probably quite resistant to drinking the Apple Kool-Aid, if you Mm. like. Mm -hmm. Uh, But look, we have... Every time I walk past an Apple store in London, of which there there are numerous Apple stores just in London... They are packed. Whenever I'm on the tube in London, the people are always on iPhones. I see AirPods everywhere. I, Whenever I'm working in cafes and places like that, people are always on Macs. Like, these devices are hugely, hugely popular. And, you know, the, I don't think that changes whichever side of the Atlantic you're on. Did you guys go through the PC versus Mac wars? Like we did here. Yeah, remember I was probably at school when that was happening. Yeah. But... <laughs> is there, is, is but there, there was, that institutional snobbery in the business world that PCs... Yeah, are, I mean, you don't see in offices. Uh, you don't see Macs. Oh, okay. Uh, you know, I'm sure in like city or you know in the city of London offices and financial services and those kind of places you know trendy design companies and those kind of thing and P- maybe pr people use Macs, right. not serious business people i think it's right. probably i might be being a bit unfair but that's kind of how it tends to work um but yeah look the apple stores are always busy are always popular apple products are always popular it's just how it it's gonna be do look uh, and as you know i went and watched uh, the Apple event. Yeah, I want to ask you about that. You went to the flagship store. Yeah, yeah. So store. I what? Yeah, I went to the flagship store on Regent Street in Central London. How big is that? And it was. I don't know by square footage, but it's big. It's like a serious two-story, uh, two-story building on app on the one of the busiest shopping streets in the whole of London. Mm. Like it's a serious, serious outlet, and it was busy. I was surprised how busy it was um i didn't know if people were really going to get involved in it but there were people really really they're relatively early it filled up as it got closer to the event's launch people were really really into it uh it was a nice atmosphere there's kind of a staircase by the big apple wall and there were like people hanging off the staircase trying to see the event as well it was Busy. That's a long time to stand in a store in a crowd for an hour and 42 minutes. Yeah, That's but people were into it. They, yeah. yeah, people were into it. I mean, I have to say, I did notice people started getting fidgety and leaving uh, when we had an in-depth description of the A13 chip and oh, yeah. the more pro I love, end I love, I love that part, but I was sitting in an easy chair in front of an Apple TV. Yeah, right. Yeah, you had a nice <laughs> cup of coffee or something. But <laughs> yeah. people... 
look, I've been when there's been new iPhones, I've been to that same Apple store and there's queues coming out of the building. This event was a really nice atmosphere. People were really interested. People clapped some of the announcements. People were into it, and it was really good that Apple hosted it, actually. Very good. Very good. Nice to hear. Well, we've come to the end of the show. I want to thank you very, very, very much for sharing your thoughts about the event and your unique perspective on the other side of the pond. So thank you for joining me. No, thank you so much for having me. That was really fun. Yeah. Tell the listeners how they can contact you if they wish. So, uh, if you want me on the Twitters, I'm at Charlotte A. Henry, same on Instagram. Um, and I'm obviously on the MacObserver.com pretty much every day, covering a bunch of stuff, early morning for you, mid-morning for me. So, come say hi, share the stories, uh, you know, leave comments, let us know what you think we should be talking about as well. Cool. Folks, you've been listening to the Mac Observer's Background Mode with John Marcellaro and Charlotte Henry. We'll see you again next week.